0: This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idol, and today's episode is an incredibly special and powerful gift. In virtual studio, I have Kristen Holmes, the vice president of Whoop, with me today. Kristen, how are
1: you? I'm well, thanks.
0: I could not be more excited to have you on the show. Like, dead serious, I have been using Whoop, like I told you in a pre-show interview, maybe 16 months before Whoop was, I'll call it sexy, right? Before it was it, – I, I see it everywhere now. It's completely changed my life. What are you – what are some of the things like? You're the performance optimization guru inside of Whoop, right? You travel around, you see all types of people from all types of walks of life. What's one impactful change someone listening right now could make to any habit in their life based off of the data that you've seen? Right, this isn't guessing; this is empirical data. What could somebody do to live a better life?
1: Drink less alcohol. I love it. <laughs> it is, is probably the uh, just a, the low hanging fruit, you know? I, I think when you when you Understand or see the impact a few glasses of wine has on your sleep behavior, for example, you will immediately change. I think you're at least you become aware. And obviously, habits they take time. And um, but the more exposure you have to that data, the more you see its impact on on your ability to get you know restful sleep, um, restorative sleep. Uh, you invariably start to, to change your your behavior, and and I and I see this over and over and over again with the athletes that that I work with who are on the platform. Um, again, it doesn't happen overnight, but over over time, they will drink up. You know, anywhere from sixty to to ninety percent less, and 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 oftentimes, folks just quit. You know, flat out, just stop drinking. Yeah, cause it, yeah you're one of those. I yeah, am one of those. I, I mean, yeah, in the time, man, I've been on the platform for three years, and yeah, I mean, I I, I never was a, a big drinker, but uh, I, I mean, I I barely drink, you know, um, just because it, you know, it doesn't a hangover doesn't just last a day, right? Um, it will take you up to five days to get back to your baseline, and I think that's probably one of the more powerful forcing functions our athletes um, that changes the course of of our our athletes' actions around alcohol is is just that it. Wow, it's not just tomorrow that's going to impact me. It's it's literally it's going to take me five days to get back up to to my baseline. Um, you know, when we think about recovery, so yeah, I, th- I think alcohol consumption is probably the biggest thing that I see.
0: Well, yeah, and I love that because it's you know, especially in the societal confines, right? There's this shame and guilt around. Well, I'm going out after after work and I'm entertaining clients. I have to have the bourbon. I have to have the whatever. Well. Right. What I found is when you start putting yourself first, right? Putting, like, my sleep becomes the most important. Admittedly, when I first started using Whoop, I looked at it as, like, a soft suggestion. It was like, well, you should get eight and a half hours of sleep for, like, optimal yeah, yeah. performance tomorrow. And I'm like, well, that's a nice, that's a, like a tap on the shoulder. You should go left. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm hell bent on going right. So I would, you know, push, burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. But then when I started, like, really looking at the metadata, I'll call it, like, what's going on under the current? Like, I'm really journaling and taking note of, okay, well, my performance felt like shit this day, just very, candidly well what did i do the the three or four days before that like what was i fueling my body with what was my sleep pattern and then mirroring that to the data from whoop and it was like well i don't need the one glass of bourbon like i'm i want to feel better i'm gonna have the water it's not even a hangover it's not lack of performance it's like my sleep is decreasing exponentially my rem and my deep sleep is like negligible
1: you might be spending eight hours in bed but but all of a sudden you know what is normal maybe a 44 you know you're spending generally, let's say generally you're spending, you know, almost 40% in the deeper stages of sleep, you know, in REM and slowly of sleep. And then you drink and all of a sudden you're spending 18% of your total sleep time in, in those deeper stages. I mean, that is, it, it's, you know, it, it's the quality of sleep, obviously that, that really matters. And, and alcohol is just going to crush your quality.
0: Well, absolutely. And I look at you in our little time together, you're like a sleep aficionado, right? You've spent years and years and years studying sleep and patterns and all the way back, and we'll dive into this, Princeton days and some different things you had going on there. Yeah. I'd like to unpackage some of what a quote-unquote traditional sleeping pattern, right? I think there's a chance that some of the, the listeners right now, they've certainly heard me talk about whoop, but it's like we're talking about deep sleep and REM sleep and percentages of sleep. There's a chance that all this is now literally foreign territory as someone's listening. I'd like to yeah. make sure as we build on this conversation, that I know it's going to go deep places. We set a good ground groundwork, and who better than you to explain that?
1: Right. Well, so just generally speaking, you know, we want to spend about 40% of our total sleep time in these deeper stages of sleep. So, you know, you've got, you know, REM, which is the rapid eye movement and you've got slow sleep or deep sleep. And, um, we're going to come in and out of, of these, you know, of light awake, deep and REM sleep throughout the night, you know, in these 90 minute kind of cycles. And, um, you know, the, the, the goal of course. you know, from an efficiency standpoint is, you know, the time that you're spending in bed, you want to try to, you know, get into these deeper stages of, of sleep. So, um, you know, when you talk about quality, that's, that's kind of how you, how you, how you efficiency, that's kind of how you think about it. Um, you know, obviously there's lots of things that you can do to kind of improve your chances. Obviously one, we already spoke about not having a lot of alcohol I think the other uh, piece that's really important when you think about kind of the overall sleep architecture is kind of the, the, when you go to bed and when you wake up. So that sleep-wake timing uh, is also really critical, right? we call that, you know, sleep, you know, consistency or, um, you know, you want a regular sleep, sleep kind of pattern. Um, And I think, and when you, there's, You'll have everyone has kind of a different chronotype. So, you know, you'll feel sleepy at a certain time, I'll feel sleepy at a certain time, you know, I'm either going to be kind of a more night owl or, you know, um, you know, or I'll, you know, want to go to bed early. So I think figuring that out is also really important as you're trying to track toward like optimal sleep. Um, so, paying attention to when you have that natural biological pressure for sleep is really, really important. And then succumbing to that, you know, is if I'm, I'm going to start to feel sleepy around 9:30. So my pre-bed routine starts around 8:45 with the idea that I'm going to be sleepy at 9:30 and I'm going to be ready to succumb to that sleep. Because what happens if you push past that natural? biological pressure for sleep, you release your body's under stress, right? It thinks it's under stress. So you're releasing epinephrine and cortisol and adrenaline, you know, all these things that you need to kind of perform, right? Like my body thinks that I'm running from, I need to run from like a tiger or something. So um, so anyway, I think, you know, when you think about overall sleep, you've got the efficiency, you've got the, the, um, the regularity or the consistency, um, you know, and then the duration is kind of that other piece. And, and everyone needs to spend different amounts of time in bed in order to to achieve that um, that you know that efficient quality sleep.
0: So, so Kristen, do you have any resources for anyone to potentially take and figure out what their sleep, I'll say chronotype, is? Right, I, I know some out there. I don't want to I don't want to shout it out until I know there's probably something better that you might have access to.
1: You know, honestly, like I'm a, yeah. I mean, I, I I think honestly, if you just pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, to the signals your body is sending to you, you have all the information you need, um, as it relates to kind of, you know, your, your chronotype. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's body temperature and, you know, there's different things that you can kind of measure that give you some insight into, um, you know, actually what, what is optimal. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you just listen and, and pay attention for a week, you know, you'll, you'll understand, you'll start to recognize when you feel naturally sleepy and I think it's just giving into that urge and, and making that as, uh, con, as consistent as possible across the week.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. And Without getting into the science of body temperature and all that stuff, I found yeah, I want
1: to yeah. I, I not even
0: pause but share a resource with you as you're listening. So there's a quiz that's established by a doctor. I don't remember the doctor's name, but it's the com. And if you go take that, it's so not the chronotype. It's more the archetype, right? And what he's saying is there's four different archetypes, right? Like I'm a bear, which is inherently when the sun goes down, I'm ready to go to sleep. When the sun comes <laughs> up, I'm ready to wake up, right? Like kind of like a bear would – and then every, every once in a while I need that deep, like long restorative, almost like a bear would go hibernate, like – I burn really hot and heavy so every 4 to 6 weeks like I need that Saturday where I know there's no alarm clock I'm just going to sleep until my body restores. And so there's a lot of science that backs up that piece in part if you don't want to go down the 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 whole tracking and monitoring of body temperature change and serotonin and dopamine and cortisol and adrenaline and blood pressure and all the the signals that your body is letting you know. So what what else about sleep? Like I, I geek out on this stuff, Chris, and like we we started talking off air about blue light and some of the adverse effects of that, and during the day when we should have it when we shouldn't, and then at night and blocking it out, and like even temperature, right? Because you you have literally, I know it's the elite part of whoop, but you have some really elite clientele that you deal intimately with, right? Like, am I able? Can you share some of the people that you not maybe not names, right? Like I don't want to I don't want to get you in trouble, yeah. none of that stuff, but like some of the broad brush so the listener understands, like the power of people that you get to associate with?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I work with, gosh, I mean, consistently, you know, up to 15 starting pitchers, major league baseball. Um, I work with several basketball, NBA um, athletes. um, Yeah. uh, You know, a couple NHL guys uh, who have been on the platform for years. uh, You know, some of the better players in the league. Uh, So yeah, it kind of spans a couple NH, uh, NFL athletes who actually were playing, in the collegiate system and we're using the platform and the collegiate system kind of move, you know, we're drafted and now playing the NFL. So I kind of work with those guys every now and again. Um, and then, you know, our Navy seal, uh, you know, so I work with, you know, tactical athletes, uh, a fair amount as well. Um, and do quite a bit of advising across that group. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an elite group for sure.
0: <laughs> well, certainly and I, I love you sharing that because Obviously, me as a 6'2", 260-pound, 34-year-old white male in middle America, I don't really know what it's like to be a professional athlete. And I certainly have never been in war, so I can't say I know what exactly what it's like to be a Navy SEAL, but I can conceptualize the the, the stress and trauma that they might have to go through yeah. versus – like I can't even imagine what it's like to be an NFL player, but the fact of having you have that data points from the guys that are – not able to sleep, that are under high stress, that are really worried about their parasympathetic nervous system and how it's operating and functioning. Like that's the stuff that to me is just so freaking fascinating.
1: It's really interesting. And I, you know, I think when you, when, you know, life and death enters the equation, things just change, you know, and I think it's like, what's cool about that group is it's, they're very, they're very willing to experiment on, on a lot of different levels. And, uh, you know, you don't need an IRB approval to kind of you know, talk about all right. How are we going to deal with these lower periods of low periods of of oxygen? You know, let's try these stacks and you know that it's um it's it's just a a group who's trying to who's trying to sort it out who's trying to get as 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 many advantages as as they can um uh when they're thinking about you know going on a mission for example and but I think what's been really cool just to talk about the the tactical athletes for a second is that the culture actually is changing a fair amount with that group, which has been cool to see. You know, I think they've always prided themselves on being able to, you know, down a, a bottle of bourbon and then wake up the next day and run 20 miles. And, you know, I, I think the kind of the locker room talk with those guys has, has changed a ton. It's like, they're okay. How do I wake up green tomorrow? You know, and how do I, how am I going to win the war today? And, and it's more around recovery and, and sleep and restoration and in, in terms of building resiliency, as opposed to just more, more 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 right you know more isn't, isn't 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 better necessarily and i think i think that's where actually whoop is helping change the conversation within um you know i think as high up as the kind of the department of defense even um you know in terms of how they're thinking about uh resiliency in soldiers uh so i, I think it's 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 been awesome to to see them uh think about you know leveraging sleep uh you know as, as a way to um improve physical mental performance and um and, and obviously, just this whole kind of concept of recovery, as well. You know, what am I doing during? You know, you kind of ask the question about sleep and, and how the athletes think about it. First thing I say when I start working with athletes: sleep begins the moment you wake up. You know, good sleep begins the moment you wake up, and it's it's how you're managing stress throughout the day. You know, do you have negative stress accumulation? What is, what, do you, what even is that? You know, and how do you mitigate it? Because if you're talking about you know wanting to get into these deeper stages of sleep and, you know, crush, crush your soy of sleep. Well, you need to mitigate stress throughout the day. You can't be sympathetically driven the entire day. Like it's just, that's not a long-term strategy. Um, and a lot of these guys, you know, can sustain that for periods of time, but then it has, you know, negative, negative impact on, on their mental state, right? You know, you hear all the time, you know, with, with operators, you know, having, pretty severe psychological issues. And it's, it's because there isn't a balance, you know, between the, this parasympathetic and sympathetic, you know, uh, branches of the nervous system. And, um, so I think a lot of it is about, okay, during the day, how do we create some semblance of balance? Um, and if we can create some semblance of balance, then we're going to obviously sleep better. We're going to recover better. And it's going to have this nice, you know, um, you know, kind of, uh, Uh, effect, you know, across, uh, uh, across the, the week and you know, the days, the week, the months and yeah.
0: Well, I love it. And and what you can't see as I'm sitting across from Kristen, as she's, Going down this very broad scope of what she does, like, her ear-to-ear smile is almost infectious. Like, it, it literally <laughs> – the amount of passion she has for what she's sharing, like, I'm sure you're hearing it in her words, right? But if you if you get a chance to hop on my YouTube page or hop on social media, you'll see this isn't something that Kristen's doing because, like, oh, it's a job, right? Sure, this is a career, but this is – you even made mention in, in our pre-show conversation, this is a calling for you, right? This is, like, a, a soul's purpose that you're fulfilling by being able to be a part of this, like – I love that yes. so much. So you had made mention about a couple of things, Kristen, that I think will be good to pull out of the first the initial part of the conversation. Like you said waking up green, right? The operators want to wake up green. Yeah. I know what that means because I use a platform. I'll say almost every day. Every once in a while I forget to charge my, my ban and I have to charge at night. And like it's <laughs> like I'm I'm a ninety-eight percent effective user, right? And walk me can you walk us through Kind of the design evolution, right? You guys are pushing yeah. new updates. You're you're getting more efficient with the actual OS, like the operating system of what I'm yeah. seeing. Like it's night and day different than when I hopped on 16, 18 months ago. Don't know when it was, but like the most recent update is just gorgeous, right? Like the the yeah. way you guys are displaying images and the cross correlation and
1: yeah, I, I'd love our, to hear more. Our our UX designer and uh, you know Tom Rand and Emily Capolupo are you know our data. Uh, analyst, um, director of, of data science here at whoop. Um, I, yeah. I mean, they're just brilliant, you know, what they do behind the scenes and I've, you know, obviously you have Will uh, Ahmed, our, our CEO and, and founder um, co-founder kind of, you know, providing insight and design. And um, so, yeah, it's just a really talented team at whoop, you know, kind of uh, doing all this back end work to make the design, I think of the app uh, really seamless and elegant and um, in, intuitive. You know, I think it feels really, uh, you know, there's just an elegance to it, I think, that that drives behavior modification most importantly, but to, makes the data, I think, easy to consume. So, I you know, guess. all the credit goes to to the designers here at Whoop and and the, the the data scientists who are kind of you know doing all the work in the background to um, to, to to make sense of of the data. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think just you know at a kind of a superficial level, we we bucket recovery, which is basically your your capacity to take on strain. We have, we, you know, you're kind of in, it's you've got, it's like a, a stoplight type of system. You've got, uh, you know, green uh, means you're really primed to adapt mentally and physically to your environment. So uh, that would be a moment where you just want to really go out. You know, you're it basically, when you think about it from a heart rate variability perspective, HRV, it means that your heart's responsive to uh, both inputs of your autonomic nervous system. So it's going to receive both parasympathetic, synthetic kind of signals um, equally well, which is going to make you kind of um, able to optimally adapt to your environment. Okay. And the, the kind of the higher HRV relative to your baseline, you know, the more green you'll be. We also look at rest and heart rate uh, during the last episode, final, um, final five minutes, of last episode of slowly sleep. And then we also look at your overall kind of sleep performance. So those are kind of the three things that go into this recovery Green, yellow uh, means that, you know, you're a little bit further from your, your baseline. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't work out, but, um, you know, it means you're maybe a little less capable to adapt. And red means that you're really, you know, kind of um, on that day, you know, looking at your core metrics, um, you know, you're a little bit, there is a percent standard deviation from your baseline that suggests you might want to take it easy that day because your body's not primed to adapt. So at a granular level, kind of when you take that kind of superficial viewpoint and you kind of apply it in an elite, high-performing environment, uh, you want to think more about, okay, what, what's my physiological intent today? And, you know, what are the trends of, for this specific athlete over the last few days? What does that mean in terms of volume and intensity today? And so we kind of use the data looking at, you know, in a super – Custom right, like we're able to look at a team of twenty-four and know for you know athlete A exactly how much volume, exactly how much intensity they should put on their body that day, um, in order to uh, you know make keep them safe and healthy, make the most gains. Mm -hmm. Um, And that means that you know sometimes if you're yellow, for example, that's good, right? That means that if I worked out hard yesterday, the expectation is that my body you know accepted that stimulus and now. It should be less recovered today because I worked, I worked my ass off, right? So I want to see an increase in resting heart rate. I want to see a decrease or suppression in HRV, uh, which will then yield um, you know, a lower recovery. I think where you can kind of check is if my sleep performance was also really crappy. It's maybe not as much of an indication of a training adaptation as it is just, I got crappy sleep and I'm less recovered. So I think that's that's how you always kind of can check the the data. Is it is am I adapting functionally to the training, or am I, um, or am I not adapting functionally to the training, or am I just simply not getting enough sleep? So that's where I think it can be so helpful um, for all of us, you know, who are working out and trying to you know, create some sorts of, some sort of physiological trigger, um, and we're working with some sort of intention, have some sort of intention in terms of how we're exercising. Um, we can kind of use the data to, to understand, you know, how we're adapting or not adapting to, you know, whatever load we're putting on.
0: I appreciate the in-depth explanation, right? I, I love it. Like, sincerely, that not even, like, I, I geek out on this to no end. I was, I, <laughs> I, I reached down to pick up my phone to, sh- like, almost show a badge of honor what my scores were, and then I looked, I'm like, I can't show this. I can't show how poorly I've recovered. Like, I'm at, I'm at 30, <laughs> 35%, right? I got seven and a half hours of sleep. I got... I combined like two hours and 20 minutes of REM and deep sleep. So like the sleep was good, but my recovery is shit right now. Like my HRV has completely plummeted for some reason over the past week where I'm normally like that. One Oh eight is kind of like my, where I almost hover at. Based and then on. Yeah. End of the week. I'm down to like 55.
1: Eat right. Like, it,
0: there's like this massive, massive swing. Now I'm super tough on my body. I own that. Right. I'm going to just, I, you're here. I might as well ask for advice, right? screw it. I'm, I'm an open book. So yeah. I box in the morning, Right, okay. I, I do intermittent fasting. I like it makes me feel better. Right, and I'm. So are you like a
1: seven to noon type of guy, or seven p.m. to noon? Like when when are you? When's your feeding window?
0: So I try to have my last meal consumed, chewed, and starting to digest by no later than eight p.m. It's not a stopwatch. Right, it's not like it has to be eight, but it's typically pretty close. Worst case, more times than not, it's closer to that seven thirty. Definitely, biggest, I push in t-
1: biggest meal lunch.
0: Uh... Probably mid afternoon, right? We can call that lunch, I guess we would. Depend, like I don't, I don't adhere to the constructs of like the time of day. Like noon yeah. would be lunchtime, yeah, yeah, but that's roughly, not my lunch yeah. meal, right? Like so, yeah. yes. Um, so I get up fasted, right? I do just just water, normal stuff, a little pink Himalayan sea salt, all the fun stuff that goes in there. Nice. Sometimes a little brain octane, sometimes a little you know fat. Like I'm a, I'm a I'm a fat guy, so I'm not. I have not been a coffee drinker, but I'm leaning into some of the bulletproof lifestyle stuff as I'm going down the rabbit hole with Dave and, and getting He's a fan. Know, Wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm on a good path that way. Then I go to the boxing gym and have one-on-one, like I'm getting ready for my first amateur fight, right? So I'm carry around. I'm down from 305. I'm down to 265, right? Probably wow. probably hovering. So I'm 6'2", 265. I can see abs not ripped, right? Not shredded. So I'm going to put myself somewhere between 10 and 12% body fat, right? Okay. Just give or take, plus or minus. Yeah. Um, peak heart rate during boxing ends up getting up to like 170, right? Give or take. Okay. Consistent heart rate is at 135, 140, right? When when we hit it, we hit it. Like it's one-on-one training. It's not like I'm not in a, a, a box and burn session. Like it's it's one-on-one with intent. That goes for an hour. I might have some aminos, might not, right? I leave that gym and I go functional train, right? And I drive to another gym to have another hour of functional training that's all explosive work, all, you know, kinetic chain, right? trying to, try to get
1: Boxing, you would characterize, what what's that trigger primarily? Is that like a does that feel like more like Tabata-ish, like it is lactic acid-ish or mitochondria?
0: Mitochondria. By the time I'm done, okay. I am, like my do you, shoulder, do you shoulders.
1: you mitochondria kind of physiological triggers like back to back essentially?
0: Yeah, so I have, shoulders are gonna be more lactic acid, right, from just shoulder mass. I get the pump, I get the burn in the shoulders pretty quick from boxing. But by the time I'm done, I'm taking off my shirt, it's soaked, I have to change clothes. Like it's a mitochondria, full body, I'm shot after boxing. Wow. as as i refuel and go into the day inside you know so this is from 7:30 to 8:45 or so in the morning is my boxing time from 9 until 10 ends up being the explosive strength type type of workout a okay. lot a lot more of that is going to feel more of the the lactic acid burn right i'm doing a lot more time under tension reps i'm doing a lot more explosive stuff yeah um, very intentional there but also right. not afraid to take rest periods right i'm not panting during that time period Peak heart rate might get up to 135. You know, normal heart rate might be 95 to 100, right? Like whole different feel to the workout. Yep. Shower, do all that stuff, get to the office. Then typically have my first consumable meal sometime afternoon, like 12, 1230. I'm a greens guy, like natural stuff. So I'm putting a pound of spinach, like I blend it up into a smoothie with blueberries and and antioxidants, right? Everything I can put that's a a calorie-dense, nutritious shake. To decrease to me, it's I'm longevity, so I'm trying to de- decrease inflammation everywhere. Certainly, recovery matters, yeah. but I'm, I'm I don't want inflammation, that's like the devil. Like, fuck that, I gotta get it to go away. So, everything about wh- what I eat and how I eat is all anti inflammatory based, right? Right, <laughs> and then eventually, midday, start kind of building up a ramp around food, right? Like, it's and it's, I feel better on red meat, I'm an O positive blood type, don't know what you think about blood type eating and all that, but like, I just physically feel better when I have. And everything I yeah. do is, you know, grass-fed, organic. Like we actually go pick out our calf and we watch it get fed, and then we eventually see it. Like we get the wow. as I don't say as pure as we can get, right? But being in yeah. Ohio, we get to pick out a pure cow and like watch the whole process.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing.
0: amazing. Yeah, so so go through all that, have that those meals sprinkled out throughout the day. I don't inherently love carbs, right? Like they just they an inflammatory response for me most of the time, right. depending on the carbs. Right. Potatoes are okay. Some starches are okay. Yeah, Leaning in a lot more into broccoli and coffers, vegetables, right? asparagus, things like yeah, that, that, spinach, yeah. all it's throughout. Get
1: carbohydrates of, from there, yeah.
0: Get the carbohydrates and as well as like coming off of anabolics, right? I share very openly, I was on steroids off and on for like 12 years. I uh, yeah. gave it up yeah. 16 months ago or so, maybe a little bit less. Eventually got put on HRT but have really pushed away to not have that happen. So yeah. doing as much as I can to get natural pro- testosterone production increasing. More efficient use of estrogen, right? Like trying to flush that out. So supplementing that's with DIM, supplementing with a lot of stuff like that to really, yeah. really maximize what I can do.
1: For sure, like what you can produce naturally, and yeah.
0: Yep. So I know I'm 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 loading all this stuff that I had no idea the conversation was going to go there. But that's kind of my day in a nutshell, and I could dive a, a hell of a lot deeper into it than that. But Monday morning is only lifting. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is boxing. My performance. Is-
1: is your lifting um is that like more raw strength like less explosion right cuz you're doing that on the other days yes yeah yep
0: um so as i get into the boxing gym tuesday morning recovery is at 98% like i'm green across the board i'm like this is incredible and i like my yeah. functional performance is my coach literally says if you could just show up like this every day yeah you you, you just make so many gains right like you,
1: so what do you do for recovery then so So are you You doing some sort of like range of motion, you know, mobility work?
0: A little bit. Not as much as I should. I own that, right? I I have a a membership to what we call the stretch zone here where I go in and get stretched and do some things that way. Nice. I'm I'm a big fan of floating, right? So I do sensory deprivation floats at least once a week. Would love to do it once a day trying to find the right system for our house, right? I'd like to have one in the yeah, house if I could.
1: I heard you like buy a lot of gadgets. Oh, get, it's, it's ridiculous. Is, like now you're not bringing home another <laughs> red light sauna. No.
0: Yes. So you you've heard, yes, so I have the infrared sauna at the house. I also have the no, I just my... want
1: one, so I'm just jealous actually. Yeah. It,
0: they're so incredible. Even if you it, like to get a solo unit from Amazon that has, you know, anti-PEMF and like zip into it just a solo, it's a $500 unit, right? You don't have to be a multimillionaire to start to afford like The CD industry have gone from this massively expensive, the only the uber wealthy could afford some of these hacks. Like see this come down into not the $500 is money we can all throw away, but it's not $10,000 for an in-house Cedar, you know, infrared sauna. There's places in between. Yeah, totally. So I have that. I have the photo biomodulation, right? With, I I like Juve. They're my my company. I like the quality of products. So do at least 10 minutes each side of my body, right? I have one big stand-up six-panel unit, kind of their elite unit. Um I've started to incorporate that again at night before I go to bed right it, it feels even better if I do it so I do 10 minutes each side in the morning 10 minutes each side at night front and back big just, help big help in decreasing inflammation like I can literally feel it in range of motion in my shoulder like it's yeah it's almost instant
1: I love. I started early January like just on the regular and uh, yeah I mean I just you know it's I live in Boston it's dark and you know just I think kind of helping Get your circadian rhythm kind of in in line. Like, there's obviously a lot of nice research out there about that. But yeah, I love the the red light therapy. Yeah, photobiomodulation.
0: Yes, a- a- absolutely. And then, really, the only thing I do, is, I mean, that's kind of it for recovery, right? I mean, yeah. I, I can't say that I have more of a recovery platform. Like, I believe also I've shared it openly in certain strategic use of uh, microdosing psychedelics, right? I think there's there's so much research and evidence there, and I'm not trying to get down any path, right? I understand whoop and I'm. Um, you don't have to answer that question, but I also do some things actively in a, in a yeah. not even a consistent basis, right? I, I think for healing the stresses of the brain, right? It's one thing to relax your body. It's one thing to go through, you know, mobility work. It's but there's also the stressors of literally feeling the amount of additional pressure on my brain from sitting across from clients all day, also yeah. the work I do plus blunt force trauma, right? I can't help it. Be, boxing, I do get hit in the head occasionally. I can't get out of the way of every punch, yeah, right? Yeah. So. It, It's what can I do to decrease that inflammation on the brain and how can I calm down the way that the neuroplasticity and how are things firing? And I'm, I'm a geek, right? I have EEGs that I hook up and see literally when I've microdosed before, like what's physically going on with the way my brain's firing, like what is changing. And it's been really, really fascinating with the use of that. Also CS machines, right? Cranial electro stim machines, getting some of that and muse for meditation, right? I'm, if you can name a gadget or gizmo.
1: Yeah. Like if, if you, you have, have more, better, tell me.
0: I want to buy. Like, I'll, I'll buy it right now. Like, just give me, give me more ideas that you, you see things I'm sure that I don't see. But like, that's my, that's my day. That's my plan. That's what I got going on. And then, yeah. so as far as a full recovery day, I leave myself one day a week, of course, where there's no anything. Right. That yeah. there's no. We, we can just call live it. In some, it. Yeah. yeah. Some stretching stuff like that. Um, fr- Monday mornings are only lifting. Sundays are only boxing. Right, and then the rest of the time is it's full go.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I, whenever I start like working with an athlete, like I always, okay, what's the, like the low hanging fruit, right? Like before we start layering on performance enhancements, just making sure that like foundationally we have like everything in place that we need to have. Um, so I, you know, I think the breath work is probably one of the most more important things you can do throughout the day. Uh, I think, to, to kind of help recovery and help sleep and just making sure that, you know, there are, you're kind of building it in, not just, you know, literally throughout the day. So almost think about it as like stress rest cycling, you know, and like if you think about your autonomic nervous system, how it works, like stress rest, you know, it's, it's the same sort of thing and using your, um, you know, your breath work, um, you know, throughout the day to kind of get you into that parasympathetic state, um, you know, where you're actually breathing for long enough, where you're releasing acetylcholine, the chemical in your brain, that's going to tell your heart rate to slow down. Um, I I think people don't recognize like how it's so simple, but it's so powerful. And I I think if you can incorporate that, you know, in between all the the stressors—you're super high energy, like you're really engaged, you're present, you know—which is great, and that in itself is going to reduce stress, I think. Um, but I think having the intentional breath work built in is maybe be helpful. It sounds like you probably already do that to a degree, but
0: well, a little bit. I'm up, consistently. I'm- yeah, certainly not consistently. I'm a big fan of like the Wim Hof method, right? I practice that yeah. quite a bit and in the intentionality. So I do cold showers, right? I want to do the mitochondria hacking and, and do some, some grounding outside here in Ohio, right? Walk around with no shoes on in the cold and yeah. snow and all that. Nice. We don't, don't, we don't unfortunately have like a cold submersion place here yet. And I know I, I'm trying to convince my wife to allow me to buy another deep freezer to put in our house that I can fill up with water and like just really, get in it. yeah, just get in it. Right. I'm okay with that. Um, but when you're saying breath work is something like a Wim Hof type of deal. Is there,
1: yeah. I mean, just using his app, you know, which you probably have, you know, um, yeah. I mean, following that methodology I think is, is great. Um, and figuring out what works for you, I think is really important. You know, again, we're all going to respond to something different. I think, you know, principally, you know, making sure your exhale is, you know, deeper than your inhale generally is going to activate, you know, the, the, you know the the rest side, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think just being intentional with that is is really important um, from a recovery standpoint. And then I, and then I do think you know you're probably you probably need a little bit more time off than what you give yourself. And I think you know to your trainer's point, like I, I think when you when you allow yourself to to really rebound, you're going to be able to put that much more effort into your workout, which is going to yield substantially more like better gains. Right. Yep. So I think it's just um, being able to, to kind of recognize when it doesn't mean you don't work out, but okay, we we limit volume today, you know, maybe instead of going for 45 minutes um, or instead of doing, you know, 20 repetitions, we're going to do eight, you know, and, and that's kind of how we think about it with the professional athletes. You know, it doesn't mean you're not going to play tonight, but you're not gonna play 35 minutes. You're going to play 16 minutes, you know, based on the data you know that's that's what your system can can handle and that's what's going to not put you in a hole for tomorrow i think that's how you think about it too is it's not just because if you if you push kind of past if you get into a point where you're you know you're not in a functional zone anymore you inhibit next day's recovery right or you you know you're going to put yourself in a position where it's going now it's going to take you even longer to recover so you just don't want to have that happen you know
0: So what you're telling me, if I understand, is when the whoop is in red for recovery, I should probably start listening to that as well, right? It is not a suggestion. It's like, hey, calm the fuck down for a day.
1: Exactly. Like, there, yes, you're – yes, 100%. And, and again, like, it's just – all right, let's limit volume, maybe intensity. And I'm usually a fan for just – if intense feels good for most athletes, you know. So I think if you can – That said, uh, do you have anything stamina-related that you do during the week?
0: So I do some, we'll call it road work for boxing, right, where I'm a three-mile run um, indoor, treadmill-based, right, try to do low-impact. But the the treadmill, no, I forget the official term, right, without a motor in it, the one that's itself. Yeah, Yeah, the free form. Yep. So get three miles in there. Try to It's it's not a killer workout, right? It's as long as I get it in under 27 minutes, like try to run nine-minute miles, right, that's that's about where we put it. So we have one long run a week. We have two shorter runs or just a mile, right? And just push those for, again, that sub nine, nothing that's really crazy. Just to yeah. build up cardiovascular endurance, yeah, right? yeah, especially yeah, from for sure. somewhat enlarged heart from anabolics. Like I own it. The left ventricle is a little, a little thicker, yeah. right? The walls are a little, a little more, um, build up than they need to be Yeah. right. And, and just fully doing everything I can to not reverse what I did to my body, but Wait, so I've eliminated the vanity, right? And being an amateur yeah. bodybuilder and having this old story, all types of, this will be a whole other conversation. We get into another time, Kristen. Yeah. but like starting to unwire all that and like, okay, how do I put together what I call a weaponized body? Like I want to know in any, f- any situation I could perform, like to me being an athlete means being able to show up anywhere at any time and perform at a level that I don't get laughed off of somewhere. Right. I'm, right, I'm never right. going to play in the N- NBA, but if I want to play a whole game, I'd want to be able to play a whole game. Like Right. If I want to box, like I'm, I don't want to be a pro boxer. I'd never been in a fight before, never punched something up until a year ago. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do the polar opposite. Let me find a boxing coach and figure out a box. So it's like
1: in all the, these in challenge bases. The tactical basis. world we call that Batman fitness, right? You need to yeah. be able to like, you want to go like crush a basketball game with your buddies, but then you also need to like climb a wall, get out get out of the way of bullets, and um, you know, and break into a house or whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Batman fitness.
0: certainly I I like that I'm gonna start using that Batman Fitness I'm gonna take that thank you for sharing that
1: yeah but I think at a high level you know it's it's you want to just address in terms of you know an exercise protocol that has you know all the physiological triggers you know that you have the cardiovascular parameters the strength parameters and then recovery parameters and you kind of just make sure across a week you're kind of hitting you know we talk about Batman Fitness um, or weaponizing the body you know it's just kind of hitting you know those parameters over that seven day day period to make sure that you're kind of tapping in, you know, to those those triggers um in in a way that's gonna produce kind of this overall level of fitness. I mean you're training for something really specific, you know, but I think a majority of us are just trying to live longer and look good naked, you know. That's it. So I think um yeah. So yeah. I think just thinking about okay cardiovascularly, you know, the lactic acid, the you know, the mitochondria, the stamina, um, you know, am I kind of hitting that, you know, raw strength? Um, you know, am I am I hitting that explosive strength, am I hitting that? And then from a recovery standpoint, you know, am I, am I, am I, am I stretching? Am I, you know, um, am I doing everything that I need to do to kind of move things along in my, in my system that, um, you know, are going to basically help prevent some of that inflammation and keep things moving, you know, blood from pooling and things like that and help with, you know, just recovery so I can repeat, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think high level think about it like that is it's good. Yeah.
0: I appreciate that incredibly deep dive. Like, I feel like I owe you money now for for that sort of (laughs) coaching session. So thank you for that. But I'd like to know, I'd like you to share and just get to know myself more. Like, there's a lot more to Kristen than just whoop, right? You've had success throughout your own athletic career. You ended up getting into coaching. Would you mind sharing some of the backstory about where this fascination with performance optimization really started at for you?
1: Yeah. So I I went to, um, I'm kind of from the Northeast, uh, and I played, played a lot of sports in high school. My primary sports were basketball and field hockey and, uh, play a little tennis. I was kind of recruited, uh, in those sports and ended up kind of picking field hockey was my main sport. I had just this goal of, you know, wanting to play on the national team, represent my country, um, so I so was really about field hockey, but loved basketball as well. So I had opportunities to play Division One in both sports, and um, you know, ended up uh, picking the University of Iowa out in the Midwest. I'd never kind of been out there, so just decided to trek out to the University of Iowa, and uh, and that's where I did my undergrad. And I played field hockey, and then in my sophomore year, I made the U.S. national team. So I was kind of uh, you know playing college hockey, and obviously. As being a student at the same time, and then also um, kind of traveling around the world uh, on the on the U.S. national team. And then I played, uh, you know, I ended up playing basketball my senior year at the University of Iowa. Um, went to the Sweet 16. It was kind of fun. Won the Big Ten championship. Um, so that was kind of fun to, you know, be able to play low little basketball too there in my final uh, days of my, my college career. And then continued playing field hockey. And then I actually met uh, a couple... PhD students. Uh, in when I was, so after I graduated, I actually returned and uh, became an assistant field hockey coach. And at the time, I was doing some graduate level courses in psychology, um, you know, took the LSAT. I was like, do I want to go to law school? Just trying to figure out what I was going to do um, after my field hockey career was over. And I ended up meeting um, these uh, two individuals, uh, Dr. Molly Marty and Dr. Lockett Stewart, who are really going down this kind of performance science path And, uh, you know, we became just fast friends and I basically worked with them for three years on, on just this performance optimization platform. And it was really just, uh, I guess that's where kind of my, you know, where I started to really dig into the physiology, dig into the psychology, understand that, you know, you can only talk yourself into the future for so long, a better future for so long before like biology is going to take over. So understanding kind of how these two fit together and, and what that framework actually looked like was everything right if 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 athletes could have this framework and they could understand the factors that actually influence performance now all of a sudden you have the keys right and performance isn't just this arbitrary thing that you're trying to like get at you know one time a month or whatever it's like something you could like in theory achieve almost every day right and and that's kind of what that has become i guess basically my my platform and my thesis is that, you know, performance is a choice, you know, and if we understand the factors that influence our performance, both physiological and psychological, we can control our attentional, you know, capacity and our motivation and effective effort and um, our mindset for task. And um, so I, I think just what I wanted to do is just create this framework that I could then give to, Athletes I'm coaching or really anyone I'm interacting with who's interested in optimizing their potential, um, you know, provide a framework that enables them to take more control of their, their, their choices, which will enable them to take control of their performance. So that's kind of how I get into it. And then, um, yeah, and then I went, then I became a head coach at Princeton University.
0: I love how I got to pause you. I love how that's like the afterthought. Like, I did all this crazy stuff. And, like, the side note of your life is I became the head coach at Princeton. Like, (laughs) that's that's, it's so funny to hear on my side. It's like, well, I did all this crazy stuff. I was on the national team. I met these cool doctors, went down this rabbit hole. No, yeah, by the way, while I was doing all that, I also became the head coach of of, of Princeton. Like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it. Um, yeah.
1: So, anyway, Princeton, uh, was just an amazing place, you know, you just attract, like, the the most incredible, um, you know, student athletes, and, uh, you know, just being around, you know, being on the audit courses there, and, and just being around, you know, some of the, the greatest, you know, minds and um, scientists, and so I really try to take full advantage of just that environment in general, um, but yeah, I you know, Princeton was was incredible. It was thirteen years. Um, you know, we won twelve Ivy League championships, so we we kind of found a way to really dominate in our own little you know Ivy League world, and we won a national championship as well. So um, it was cool. I think we were able to create this this awesome high performance environment. We attracted, you know. A, what you know, we athletes who ended up going to the Olympics, you know, we had four four Olympians um, you know, that went went through the program, which is kinda cool. It was the first in Ivy League history um for field hockey. So it was kinda nice to to kind of um establish I think the Ivy League as a place where you can do both. You can be this incredible student um but you can also achieve at the highest level as an athlete and that was kind of our recruiting platform essentially. And um, yeah, and then just during coaching, you know the tactics, technical aspects of the game obviously are really important, but then you know the physiology and the psychology are also really important. So you know just really bringing kind of that framework that I, I started to develop at, at University of Iowa, bringing that into Princeton and, and really kind of creating this super robust performance education platform um, that I think helped provide my student athletes with a framework of how to, how to manage um, these these factors that will influence their performance and, and just really bringing a lot of intention around that and, and kind of having this really cool progression across the four years um, that that hopefully positioned them to be able to do everything that they want to do in their life, you know, um, after after their four years. So, and so on journey.
0: You you have this incredible journey and then eventually somehow you and Whoop collide, right? And and right. I, I know a little bit about founders and stuff you've shared with me. I did my own research. Like I'm a geek about yeah. what you guys offer. How did how did that work? Who are the pieces and parts and when you came on board versus the staff now, right? You've you've seen you have to have seen some exponential growth in the past three years.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so so I was so at, at Princeton, you know, I'm always I'm a highly competitive person and I was always trying to give my athletes the resources they needed to, um, you know, it's, you know, we wanted to win, but I was more interested in them optimizing their potential as, as, you know, young women and giving them the resources to do that. So one of the things that was missing was really, you know, we kind of understood what was happening at practice, right? We used First Beat, we used Catapult, we were using all sorts of ways to measure and monitor load. And I had a re- you know, really good sense of what was happening during practice. But had no way to really guide them in terms of what what how their behaviors were actually influencing their ability to perform at practice or at a game, and you know these are gals that they want evidence, they want proof, you know, and, and they're like, and you know, I could tell them till I'm blue in the face that eight hours, at least nine hours, you know, something like that is important for physical and mental, um, you know, performance, but um, without quantifying it, you know, to your point earlier, you just don't know, right? So. I was looking for, you know, to understand sleep. Um, you know, I wanted to know, you know, how hydration impacted and, and, uh, you know, I wanted to have this kind of readiness score before they actually, um, came to practice. So, you know, I didn't know about whoop, whoop was, you know, in its early stages, but I started developing my own technology. I raised a ton of money and started working with statistics and machine learning and computational biology at Princeton and hired some of those PhD students and hired a company called HacknoCraft in New York City to build the application. And it basically took the performance optimization model that I had developed um, and, and basically pulled it into an app um, that would help the students understand um, if they could focus on you know, these six core things they would and have awareness of these six core things. Um, it would help them be better prepared to take on you know the bigger challenges that they would face across a day. So that was kind of the goal of the app was to kind of wrestle this stuff to the ground. And um, and I think we did it pretty well, but we were you know using some pretty crappy hardware. Um, so it's basically pulling heart rate data from just one of your typical wearable devices and then transforming that raw data, um, you know, pulling out a, you know, basically transforming it so I could understand HRV and from the HRV and the resting heart rate kind of get, come, you know, get a readiness score. And, uh, and it was, you know, the physiological side was not great. And, um, anyway, I was given this presentation on this like performance model and, um, someone, from the stands is at Princeton. And, and someone came up afterwards, like, you have to meet Will Ahmed. And he's the CEO, founder, uh, co-founder of of Whoop. And you guys are literally like building the same thing. I was like, wait, no, what? Someone's building this. And I was kind of immediately, like, so deflated and offended. Um, but anyway, I ended up, long story short, I ended up meeting Will in New York City. And, um, and he, you know, I was just blown away by kind of, how he was thinking about things, what he was building, the team that he had in place up in Boston. Um, you know his other co-founders, John Capibulo and, and, and Nikolai. They're just you know the engineer, the, the the mathematician, scientist, and then you know Will, the the physiologist and the athlete. And just they they had really put together this in, incredibly robust platform that was really answering all the questions that I was trying to, to solve in my environment. And um, anyway, he ended up offering me a really cool job and. Yeah. That's how I ended up
0: at Woop. I love it. I, I mean I, I appreciate you sharing. I gotta ask, right? As an entrepreneur. Yeah. and a lot of my listeners are are small business owners. Yeah. yeah. What can you walk us through like when when that person actually came down, right? Because you're building this thing and Princeton, all the achievements, all the success, all the knowledge you have, like inevitably in this race, it's first to market, right? We wanna we wanna create what we can create totally. as quickly as we can, like capitalize the marketplace, get the rush, ride the wave. And at that point, you you had probably thought like you were you were the innovator, right? You were the leader. There was nobody else oh. playing that game at the level you were playing.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was. Yeah, I, the fact that you know they had this recovery metric zero to hundred, like I had this readiness score zero to hundred. You know, I was yeah. I I was honestly like I think I went and like cried for of course. like yeah a, a good two days, um, but. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I was excited too, because I'm like, wow, there, there's actually someone who's solving what is really one of the the biggest issues as it relates to human performance. You know, uh, is is really understanding, you know, on the physiological side, actually what is going to influence my ability to show up every day and be as engaged and present and, you know, firing off cylinders as, as possible. And, and the fact that, you know, they, were so close was, um, was also really exciting. And you know, um, so if you can't beat them, you, you join them. And that's, that's basically what I did.
0: (laughs) Well, I love it. I I mean, Chris, and I, I'm a big believer in like Claire Claire Graves work inside of spiral dynamics and the way that systems operate and, and, and how they ascend and just seeing like third person perspective, right. You would put all that time and energy and you call it, if you can't beat it, join it, but your presence of awareness and how driven you were at a, at a, Objective that was bigger than yourself right at some point we have to disassociate from the ego and realize like I can keep rowing this boat by myself with my team Right, or we can pull resources and solve a global issue. Yeah, that helps in a bigger capacity Damn the damn the ego really at some point right because it's a blow like let's be honest like You're 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 an alpha right you're a producer you're, you're a leader and And then you have to not have to but you chose to join right to to collaborate and to experientially increase the, 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 to market rate, right? Like you literally change the whole trajectory of probably whoop and your own life, right? In some capacity, like when it just call it what it is from the outside, like whoop isn't what it is without you, not up to now, like love everybody there, but it can't be right. You've been a part of the three years of growth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I gosh, I, I hope that I've, I've been able to influence things here. I mean, yeah, it definitely, it, it is, you know, and honestly, like the, the big driver behind my coming to WHOOP was really, you know, when I did finally come up to Boston and I was able to meet everyone inside this building who are all, you know, as passionate as I am about, you know, solving, you know, these, these, you know, issues that we have in exercise physiology and in human performance. I was, it was really, uh, it was, it wasn't even a question. I was like, wow, I just need to be a part of this, you know, and, um, and that's what makes, you know, I think the job's so fun and showing up to work every day, just really a joy, honestly. I feel like I'm living my values every day, you know, and, and I think um, that's kind of all all we want, right? Of course. Um, but, yeah, having access, I think, to just the, the kind of scope or the, the scope and scale, I guess, in terms of just all these different high-performing teams and athletes is, uh, you know, I've just learned so much, you know, over the last three years that I would never have done if I just kind of remained in that little bubble, you know?
0: hmm Oh, absolutely. And Kristen, would you mind if I ask a couple business related questions, right? Nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah. Like I don't want to, to poke too far, but when you came on board three years ago, do you remember how many adopters, like how many users do you have in your database? Do you remember what that number anywhere roughly yeah. like in between 10 and 20,000 in between 105? Like it doesn't matter what the number specifically is. No, I mean, is.
1: I think it probably was like a thousand or something, you know, and now it's tens of thousands of people, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I wanted to, to touch base on, is right. Because you look at it now, and your business model has changed, right? I, as I openly share, I was an early adopter. I was yeah. buy a five or six hundred dollar wearable device. I think yeah. back then, yeah. it big big barrier to entry. Not yeah. a whole lot of data, not a whole lot of case studies, right? Not a whole lot of pieces and parts behind the scenes that say, yeah, I can vouch for whoop yeah. on, a, on a grander scale. Then your model has shifted now to lower the barrier to entry, and to get into more of a continuity billing platform, right? Which yeah from the business having a couple exits myself right that's that's beautiful for you if you guys are raising capital want to exit like we don't have to touch base on that like i I get it from the business side like I'm like yes I get it go yeah, push yeah yeah but like it it's been very cool to see where that's when and where it, where it could go right so roughly how many users do you know how many you're onboarding, right I know you're more on the elite side you're you're more on the the tactical hands on the ground with the best of the best do you have any idea yeah. like because this market is so big, right? You look at as you're listening. You, you you're like, well, why would I buy this versus an Apple Watch? I'll say it. You don't have to. Fuck your Apple Watch. Like your <laughs> Apple Watch doesn't do anything. Like it's like yeah. Apple can't be everything. Like this is. Yeah. It's it's not. I I I say this is like the sales methodology. People say, well, why why whoop? Well, it doesn't have a display. Why it doesn't have a display?
1: It's the algorithms. It's the algorithms in the background are just this machine learning. It, it's just as it. I know it is night and day. You're right. Well, and, yeah.
0: and I'll touch base as a user every morning you wake up and before you can see results, you have to add in what your stimulus was the night before, like yes. all the variables. So it's learning. Admittedly, after my 370th day of having to enter in, did I drink alcohol before bed? Am I sharing yes. my bed with somebody else? Did I work on a screen device? I'm ready to call it quits. Like, I don't I don't want to update that stuff anymore. I get why I have to, because it's consistently learning me. Like this totally. Bi-
1: and, and, just, and just to point out that. Um, the the subjective input actually has no bearing on any of the algorithms. It's just to help you draw the correlation. So, yeah, so the, the algorithms that are, are, are purely based on, like, our core – your core kind of uh, uh, metrics.
0: Yeah, because for the first seven days, if I go back to when I first bought it, I think it tells you for the first seven days it's learning you, right? Like, it's not yeah. really –
1: Yeah. So it's, it's calibrating. Yeah. And it just, the more you wear it, the more data it collects, the smarter it gets. Um, and it's, it's because it's basically, it's basically just keeps correcting until we know we're right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just going to keep kind of, you know, correcting until basically you're not proving us wrong anymore, you know, and then we know we have like your baseline.
0: Well, I, I truly love that, and I love the fact of you've even taken this, like me as a coach, certainly not a professional athlete coach or you know any of those, but I'll call it a life optimization coach, someone that yeah. cares about how people's brains and psyches and lives operate. You have this incredible platform as well where I'm able to have my clients get a whoop or give them a whoop, and you've built in this back-end ecosystem that allows me to track and monitor what they're doing right yeah. and, and add benefit that way right it's not just a, oh it's gosh. not just a b2c i guess it's all b2c but right it's not just single point b2c it's b2c group
1: yeah. oh my gosh yeah and i'm so glad you brought that up cuz I, I yeah there it's like and no one even sees that right but there's this whole like crazy analytics that we can do in the background you know for teams and athletes who are kind of on the elite side of the platform um, that basically takes in all this data and gives you just more granular feedback in terms of like how you're adapting to, you know, to, to load. And um, yeah, it's the, uh, the, the, the stuff that we have in the background is, is pretty intense, but yeah, the software platform um, is, you know, it's web-based and basically you, you go in and, and you can see, you know, if you've got 20 athletes on the team, you can kind of see everyone's data, you know, and you can see trends back to, you know, six months, you can look at the last week, and you can dig into kind of each profile, you can have, you know, our football teams will have, you know, they'll have their special teams or offensive line, defensive lines, so they have, you know, different teams for kind of each group, you know, so you can kind of break it down that way, um, different privacy settings, you can hide recovery on certain days. Um, so if you know, on Game day, I'm playing Clemson. All right, I might not want to see my recovery. You know, we can hide that. Um, so there's there's lots of so many cool features just that no one really knows about except if you're on the team platform. But yeah, it's it's pretty neat.
0: That's truly brilliant. And yeah. So with all the evolutions with with your feet on the ground, what you're seeing, what's next for Whoop? Like, where's it going? Where's this performance optimization? Not only company but industry. Like, what what are the trends that are coming that we can't see from the outside that you're probably already adopting? from where you sit?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just making use of all the real estate. You know, there's like a, a goal mine of information and, you know, tears and sweat and things like that. And um, so finding ways to kind of capture some of that data from the wrist, I think would be really interesting. And that's kind of talking in the, in the future, but um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, just extending battery life, but without, without losing accuracy. I mean, that's something that we're constantly trying to work on. And I think in the future when we have like another generation, I think you'll see uh, more, more battery life, um, without compromising, uh, the quality of the, of the data. I know, I know. Um, so that's, that's definitely in the, in the future. Um, I think being able to kind of wear whoop in lots of different parts of the body, I think is, is definitely also really important.
0: Your sleeve changed my life. Oh my gosh, right? I couldn't track anything when I was boxing. I'm like, what? I know. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was trying to put on my ankle. It didn't fit around. Like, it's clunky. I'm like, this isn't how it's supposed to work. The sleeve came out. I'm like, man, this is incredible. Like, the sleeve is awesome.
1: The sleeve is amazing. The sleeve is amazing. Yeah, we we find that, you know, in in just like kind of taking whoop off, you know, unfortunately now, like, you kind of have to take the threading out and put the sensor in the sleeve, or you just put the sleeve over top. So that's definitely an option. But, Uh, you know, I think a future generation, you'll just be this will be more of a sliding mechanism. So it'll be really easy to change the band out. Uh, so that's definitely just from a hardware perspective. Um, there'll be lower profile, uh, in, you know, future generations. So, you know, I've seen some of those prototypes and it's just like gorgeous. I'm like, Oh, can't wait to, you know, I already love it, but it's, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to keep evolving and changing. I think, uh, what I would love to see is just the band, you know, a smart band, you know, where it's, you know, some version of, of whoop, you know, collects perspiration, um, you know, body temperature is another one that I think is, is really important. Um, it's just hard, uh, you know, the wrist isn't a a great proxy for, you know, core body temperature. So it's that, that can be a little dicey, but if we can figure out, you know, via some sort of algorithm or maybe one other data point, kind of how to, how to pull that in. I think that would be really interesting. Hydration is another piece that I think is really, really central. When We talk about low-hanging fruit, right? You know, that's something that's going to impact your recovery in, like, such an immense way that I feel like we need to figure out how to, how to understand hydration levels, you know, uh, a bit more. Um, you know, and then I think the other piece is nutrition. You know, how do we, how do we build that piece into the, into the app Um, and then, you know, selfishly, I'd love something like kind of on the mental side as well, but you know, we really, it's not really what we do, but, (laughs) um, it's it's got to come,
0: right? Like you said, I I believe in how you do one thing is how you do everything and go that far down in the body side of things, right? The mind plays such an integral role. And like you, you touch base on it, right? Knowing that serotonin is really derived in the gut and what gut health ultimately does as far as how the brain fires and functions and what that does for athletic performance, like that little triangle to me.
1: Yes, I mean, that's, that's a little what I teach
0: on. Like that, that's how I coach people. Like it has to be all of these pieces, not just one.
1: I know, I know. You can't neglect any of it, really. You know, um, and then I think uh, just in terms of like features, uh, the the sleep consistency, uh, you know, will be a little bit more overt in the app, which I think is important because we know that that's such a critical piece. You know, your sleep wake timing, so getting that right. Um, training IQ, so having kind of a built in coach that helps you understand um you know what that deviation off your baseline like might actually mean and um you know gentle suggestions around maybe you know changing training you know volume and intensity potentially so this is all the stuff that we're doing manually on the elite side right now um but you know our analytics team will be kind of you know programming and coding and you know so all this becomes more automated um so we're kind of testing all of that uh Yeah, so some fun things coming in the future.
0: Some really fun things. I actually saw Will post, maybe it was last week, maybe it was a week before, some of the pressure testing you guys do, right? I'm always fascinated by behind the scenes, (laughs) like seeing it in in the beaker and I forget how many, you know, newton meters of pressure was pushed down on it, but like seeing the fact that your device is just watertight, like I never take mine off. Literally, as as you're listening, you might not. So first and foremost, go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Social media is also whoop, right? Just. Uh, it's, it's whoop something else
1: you know i don't have any social media accounts or presence so i don't even know what that looks like but uh, so i'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry
0: if you go to instagram and type in whoop i can grab my phone i, I don't have it out during interview so i think it's sorry. rude but no it's, it's it's all right but whoop it's um and then there, there's a series of, of people behind the scenes that are also involved inside of whoop that you share a lot of the behind the scenes stuff Where as I'm wearing my device, as Kristen's wearing hers, you never have to take it off. Even the charger is this little slip-on piece that literally slides over your device as you're wearing it so you don't ever have to lose data. Now, if you're slow like I am and sometimes forget to charge the charger, you (laughs) might end up losing some data points, (laughs) which… Yeah, the charger
1: has to be charged. (laughs) (laughs) It does,
0: and they so kindly have this great email sequence where they're running a special right now on chargers. If you need a couple more, it's like 25% off, so… Yeah. I, I love that part of things and there's the other side that I love is you're always changing around the bands right I get there's so yes. in, incrementally it's small amounts of revenue right the profit margin might be big but it's revenue small like from a business aspoi- aspect but it's I literally have like 12 or 15 bands because you guys send me these damn emails I'm like I don't need any more bands but sure I, know, I like the way but that looks
1: so fun. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so if you're a lady what listen to this or a man right and you're fashion forward and you're conscientious of how it looks and how it goes the device itself, it's just black, right? It, it's pretty small. It's pretty under the yeah. radar. Yeah, they have some great pieces and parts. Kristen's actually wearing one right now that is is gold that matches her watch. We were laughingly she made fun of me before the interview and said I needed some bling. I needed something more <laughs> more, more more fancy. I'm not a gold guy. I'm a silver guy. I'm working on on a, buying some of that from them. But you can literally there's bands that are stretchy that are elastic based There's bands that are more nylon woven. There's stuff that makes it look like like a NATO watch. Like you can really yeah. dress this up to fit any sort of criteria, right? It,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you're in a boardroom right now, like you can make it look boardroom appropriate with a suit and it's not going to be this like, oh, what are you wearing? Like, Oh, totally. Certainly fits in. And for me, I found it's a conversation starter because people, like I can see people glancing down like, what is that? There's no display on it. It's thicker. It's not just a rubber band. Like
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's like the I, easiest icebreaker. I've gotten to a point though where I literally like I'm on a plane and I hide it because I'll end up like, going down with this random stranger, you know, three hours, I'll be talking about sleep. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, you're right. It definitely is a conversation starter for sure.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So, so Kristen, is there, is there one additional takeaway? Is there anything you'd like to share about whoop, about the technology, about something that we might not have covered on this show that you think is important for the listeners to take away?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just underscoring like how, like how important sleep is. I, you know, and I, I say that I feel like I that's, I always end with that, or I always say that. Um, I think people just underestimate not just short-term, but actually the long-term kind of repercussions of short sleep. You know, it's the, it's the root cause to all mortality, right? When you, insufficient sleep is. So like when you think about cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, psychological disorders, um, you know, the, the the root cause is insufficient sleep. So if you can stabilize that piece of your life, pretty much everything else is going to correct itself. You know, your, your exercise and your nutrition, like, you you know, you're going to, your hormones start functioning correctly. Like, you know, all of the things that are causing issues in your life can pretty much be corrected if you can figure out how to get the sleep that you need. Um, so I, I think that's just, fundamentally that is 100 the place to start if you're looking to improve your life um improve your relationships like whatever it is that you want to make better in your life get your sleep right and things will follow
0: i love that i I, like i want to just keep talking like it's it's so it's like i know i'm supposed to quote unquote wrap up the episode now like i've already set it up like i'm just supposed to say okay like thanks for listening and shut it down (laughs) like you're talking sleep and it's for me it's as you're listening it's don't have any blue light in your room right your cell phone your cable box your tv do something to not have that there there's blackout shades so you don't have any ambient light that comes in there's optimal temperature right somewhere between that 65 and 68 degrees give or take right like yeah
1: Yeah, you know your core body temperature has to drop like two degrees right for you to yeah. actually fall asleep right so the hot shower you know that vasodilation, like getting you know the blood to the extremities is really key we didn't, haven't even talked about routines we haven't really talked about hygiene but yeah there's a whole
0: bring it in we don't have to stop right now i know <laughs> your time is my time is only so valuable you, you're like in the epicenter of of all this i would love it what's what's a couple of routine things we can rapid fire it
1: oh okay yeah uh, well definitely you know you hit on it obviously room temperature is massive right um I think too, like, you know, glycemic variability, like really keeping the blood sugar, like as even as possible and, you know, going to bed, you know, not, not underfed, you know, you want to make sure that you're not like starving hungry, right? So you mentioned some of the MCT oils that you can have pre-bed. That's, I think, really powerful in terms of stabilizing uh, blood sugar levels and kind of keeping you in a state where you can actually remain in those deeper stages of sleep Um, I think that's huge, uh, breath work. Um, the army's done a lot of research in terms of visualization pre-bed, you know, you're either in the bottom of a canoe or you're in like this, um, velvet hammock. You kind of pick one of the two, you put yourself there, you do three minutes of breathing, visualizing yourself in this kind of in one of these two states. And you know, that they've been shown that that helps keep you in the deeper stages of, of sleep. Uh, So, so the, the hot shower, I think is good. Um, You know, water, I think there's, you you know, mixed reviews. Like you don't want to go to bed dehydrated. Um, That will definitely, you know, your HRV, resting heart rate um, will definitely be impacted if you're going to bed dehydrated. So again, you know, just drinking water throughout the day, going to the bathroom before you go to bed obviously is key. Um, But uh, it's almost better to kind of wake up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom than actually go to bed dehydrated. I think that's, uh, I think people get that wrong sometimes. Um, and then I think that, you know, the mindfulness, you know, mitigating that negative stress accumulation, again, this principle of like, you know, preparing for optimal sleep begins the moment you wake up, you know, this idea of building in mindful breathing up to 45 seconds to a minute, five times a day, probably one of the better things you can do for your life. Um, just generally in terms of mitigating stress, negative stress, putting yourself, yourself in control, um, And then always knowing you have your breath to kind of fall back on, um, I think is really just important, but that will also help you um, fall asleep. Journaling before bed, huge, you know, just getting everything that's stressful to you out on a piece of paper, you know, just as a nice um, kind of, uh, you know, cue to be like, okay, it's bedtime, you know, swipe up airplane mode. Do not disturb on your phone. If you do in fact use it for, um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, an alarm. I think the blue light blocking glasses absolutely key up to three hours before, Um, you know, have a time during the day where, you know, you're powering down and you're, you're actively, you know, tell everyone, you know, when you want, if you want to change a habit, like you tell everyone, right. You announce it and just be like family, I'm powering down, you know, so they know that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm I'm turning everything off. Um, It's time to wind down. The other key thing, dim the lights in your house. Right. So, You know, food timing, um, light exposure, um, and sleep wake timing are probably the three most important things to think about in terms of aligning your circadian rhythm and getting your brain, your hormone, and your gut all like all those clocks like firing in all cylinders, right? So, so food timing, when are when are you eating? Like that block of time you mentioned, stopping around seven ish, I think is good. You know, seven eight o'clock, depending. You know. when you, when you want to fall asleep, um, maybe a little bit of MC to oil, tea oil um, with your tea. Obviously, you know, chamomile, lavender um, are, are great for kind of helping you feel sleepy. Um, melatonin, you know, I'm not, a, I don't pretty much, don't take anything. I pretty much try to keep it natural, but I think, you know, melatonin is a, or serotonin is a pretty melatonin. So foods high in serotonin can be really good, you know, 30 minutes before bed. Kiwi, couple kiwis um, has been shown to really help prompt that release of melatonin, um, you know, because it, it's high in serotonin, it helps prompt that release of melatonin. Um, so yeah, those are a few things to think about.
0: I love it. And Chris, what's your take on natural honey? Like I do a tablespoon of natural honey before bed. Oh yeah, add it the in with liver. The, yeah, MCT oil, right? I want that stabilized blood sugar. I use a little, what is it, uh, cylon cinnamon as well? Like the C-E-Y-L-O-N?
1: I, I love that. The operators um, that I work with, we kind of have, you know, a little bit of like a quarter cup of yogurt, um, walnuts, a, t- a tablespoon of honey, uh, and some raspberries. That is like the perfect concoction, little oil on top. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I-, I love it. I'm glad to hear that I'm not like way off base. Same thing with hydration. Like I'm a big fan of the TruSea water filter. Right, is we add some some hydrogen, some additional hydrogen molecules, kind of hyper hyper hydration. Seeing how that works, seeing how it decreases my inflammation, seeing how some variables um, are trailing along. I'm not down far enough down that rabbit hole to really like say like yeah, I know for sure. Right, I haven't tested enough variables, but so far early, it seems like it's working pretty well. Also, for me, getting away from plastics. Right, like let's talk about getting back to the basics. Right, no plastic jugs, no plastic cups, no plastic quote-unquote silverware right what can we do to to eat off glass and eat with our hands like our evolutionary process does not require us to have all the amenities that we have now and so much of what i think this quote-unquote biohacking is is referring back to what we should have always done walking around outside without shoes on having cold showers sleeping in a a colder temperature it's like this is all because evolutionary yeah it's it's what we should be doing that we just decided we wanted more than so yeah I'm on my soapbox right now. I'll step down. No, I it's no,
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you.
0: So as we've we've pivoted, we've we posted up, we've switched positions, we've done all this crazy stuff, Chris. I want to say thank you so much for spending so much time sharing so many valuable nuggets with not only me but with the listeners. I, I sincerely appreciate your time today.
1: Oh, it was. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Look forward to our next conversation.
1: All right, take care, Ryan.